0: back today. Acts chapter 2 verse one won't surprise you what I'm going to preach about today uh, my text, but it may surprise you where we wind up for it's over. I'm not here to surprise you. I'm here to help you. God didn't call me to be an evangelist. I preached was preaching somewhere not too long ago, got invited to preach elsewhere and uh, I will do that occasionally uh, get out, but my calling is not to evangelize. my calling is to pastor. And uh, anytime I'm gone from here Even though maybe a a slight change Is good for me on occasion A little break is good We all, Even Jesus, you know He stepped away and and sought after rest And if Jesus needs rest Well then I promise you I I need a little bit every once in a while I was preaching someplace And uh, I just kind of qualified myself Before I began I said, you know If you're looking for a great evangelist Come in and make you run around You know, uh The church, I may not satisfy your need for that. I said, because the Lord has called me to pastor. I said, and since he's done that, you know, I feel like I have been more of, it's more my job to help people find stability in their walk with God, to shepherd them, to lead them. That's what a uh, a pastor does. He shepherds people. A shepherd never drives his flock. A shepherd leads his flock. And so, I want to try with the help of the Lord today to, to, to preach to you a word that I believe will really help you in your walk with God, your daily walk with God, because it don't matter how much you shout for God today, <clears throat> nearly, uh, that's not nearly as important as how you get up and live for God tomorrow. Amen. We love to feel the presence, the fire of the Holy Ghost, but the devil has a way of, throwing a wet blanket over your fire sometimes and i just want to try to help you understand today how to stay in this race acts chapter 2 verse 1 and when the day of pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord and in one place suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house all the house where they were sitting There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. All over this world today, this scripture is being celebrated. It's being preached on probably by 90 plus percent of the pastors that are standing behind pulpits today. I just believe that nowhere should it be celebrated any more than in a place like this that still believes in that same experience that they had in Acts chapter two. It's being preached about in Baptist churches and probably in Catholic pulpits, and Presbyterian pulpits, and for sure in Pentecostal pulpits, I, I imagine, almost without doubt in the great majority But talking about something and living it are two different things. I found that people, a lot of times anymore, they don't mind talking about, oh, I I wish I could do that, especially when they know that they can't. We like to talk about things that we wish we could do or I'd like to help in that area if only I could. And it's easy to talk about things that we can't do like we'd really want to sometimes the lord calls us to commitment instead of just words i love the fact that i've been filled with the holy ghost i love the fact that when i received it i spoke in other tongues as a 10 year old young man nobody sat here and said say this or say hallelujah fast enough and it'll sound like something else and we'll call that tongues and it'll be called it a day i was filled with genuinely with the spirit of the Holy Ghost and began to speak a language I, I never understood before. Don't understand it now, but sometimes I don't have to understand it to know that God knows what, it, what I'm saying. I'm thrilled to know that it was birthed in an upper room in Jerusalem and then spread from there. But what I want us to understand today is that it's more than just where this thing was born. It was, I want to talk about where it was conceived. I want to preach to you today what I've entitled Built to Last, Built to Last. You may be seated today. It's not my intention to hold you real long today with a long, drawn-out message. I want to get right to the point, and, um, and hopefully God will help us with that today. <clears throat> I don't know if i've ever been asked this question maybe you have and if you have that's okay but it's kind of a personal question we're always asked where you where you were born it seems like you know even on certain documents that we have to fill out they want to know where were you born and when they asked me that question i know exactly where i was born i was born in rockford illinois and when my parents lived up there for a few years my dad went up there for for better work, and, and that lasted a short time and uh, a few years I, 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 that they stayed up there uh, until he got homesick and Southern Illinois was calling his name, and he brought him and myself and my mother back to, uh, to his hometown. And so I've been asked ever since for 50-some years now, where were you born? You've been asked the same question, but nobody ever asked where were you conceived, <laughs> It's not a question that, that you really ask. <laughs> it's a little bit personal. <laughs> I'm not trying to make anybody nervous today, or I'm not, you know, I, I'm just trying to, to make a point. It, a place of conception can sometimes be a mystery. A place of conception is a place of intimacy. A place where a commitment to begin a new stage of life takes place, amen. With the help of the Lord today, I want to take you to the precursor of Pentecost. We celebrate Acts chapter 2 today. We celebrate the upper room where the Holy Ghost came in like a mighty rushing wind and filled all that were in the house with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and set upon them like as cloven tongues of fire and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. It's our Pentecostal mantra. It's our Pentecostal go-to scripture verse. Uh, We teach this verse uh, and this chapter to our children from a very young age and those are the things that are important, I believe in those things, I believe in the birth of the church. We've not walked away from where we were born. We've not forgotten where it was that we were born, but before there was a birth, there was a conception. Yes. Without the commitment that takes place at the time of conception, a birth can oftentimes be pointless. What if my father had left my mother when I was born? What if my mother and my father had dropped me off and just left me uh, uh, to, uh, to, on, on the doorsteps of some place? What would my life be without the commitment that went along with the birth? Any cost needed the commitment. It needed the committed for it to survive. The upper room experience takes commitment if it is to last in your life. You don't believe me? I'll tell you right now, there's some of you that are sitting on our pews today that you can remember when somebody else was sitting right next to you. They were on fire for God. They had had the upper room experience. They had been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They've maybe run our aisles. They may be shouted next to you, they may be spoken in tongues, but somewhere along the way, amen, just because they were born doesn't mean that they stayed in the race. It takes a commitment at the birthplace in order for the one being born to stay in this race. Yes. Right. Matthew 16:13, I take you to the place where I believe Jesus said, we're ready. The place of intimacy. Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? That's not a real personal question. That's kind of one of those offhand questions. It doesn't take the committed to really answer that because we can talk about somebody else's relationship with God. We can talk about what other people we think they know about God or or where they stand with God. And so this question was not one that was real personal. Men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they began to answer. They said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, The final question here, amen, the question that established the, the question that I believe was the conception in Jesus' mind of there being a readiness and a commitment that he was able to go forth with his plan when he says, but whom say ye that I am? Who do you say I am? Or maybe better said, who am I to you? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You haven't heard Jesus talk like this before. Amen. You haven't heard Jesus establish or make a comment like this before. But he looks at them and he says I know what others are saying about me. Others are confused about who I am to them. Others don't really know who I am. They follow me for the loaves and they follow me for the fishes. They follow me so that they're Mother or father might have their blinded eyes open or their deaf ears might be unclogged. Amen, they follow me for the the miracles and the blessings, but who do you say that I am? And when he gets the answer that he's looking for, I believe that Jesus says, all right, we're ready. You have an understanding of who I am, but not just who I am, but who I am to you. Who do you say that I am? we're getting ready to build something and it's not gonna be built with flesh and it's not gonna be built with blood, amen. It's going be uh, not gonna be built with uh, mortar and it's not gonna be built with wood. It's gonna be built by Jesus Christ laying down his life and so he wants to know if I'm gonna keep my end of the deal, if I'm gonna go to the cross at Calvary, if I'm gonna commit everything, if I'm gonna suffer and bleed and die for you, I want to know are you ready to take what I give you and build it to last. It's gotta last beyond the upper room experience. It's gotta last beyond Jerusalem's walls. It's got to get beyond Samaria, and for that to happen, I'm not looking for a people that are willing to just come and get the goosebump machine going up and down their spine and then walk out the door and do whatever they want to do. I'm looking for people that are not just willing to be there for the birth, but are willing to follow every hard line, every hard knock, every bad time, every dirty diaper, amen, every time that kid gets sick and keep you up in the middle, of life, it's not going to be easy, but I'm not looking I'm looking for people that are willing to walk out when the time get tough. I'm looking for the committed that are willing to stay with me while this thing grows because I want it to be built to last. Religions have come and gone. People have come and gone. This church would be running seven, 800 people by now if we kept everybody that's walked through our doors and come down to an altar, amen. They were here in their mind, it was conceived, hey, I need God, I, I need something to change, I need something to happen, and, and maybe they came and, and they even were here for the new birth experience, but what happened after that happened because they were not committed fully and completely. It was built. But it wasn't built to last where i work i deliver to these big multi-million square feet warehouses you can literally and i did back when they were building one of them in particular i drove in they're a mile and a quarter long some of these buildings they are absolutely massive and you have uh companies like I've got two of the Amazon warehouses on my route, and I'll back up to those Amazon warehouses. You, you They'll send you down, they'll they'll have a hundred and some docking uh, stations where trucks can back up, and they'll send me down to the particular one that they send me to, and I'll drive three quarters of a mile down this building. I'll pass up 70 other docks in order to get to the one that I have to go to down on the far end of this thing. And this, these places are massive, and they just keep building these places, and, and I was looking, at an empty field not too long ago. And I thought, well, if somebody builds, that'll probably be the next place that somebody's building. There was a big for sale sign out there. And and sure enough, the sale sign came down and and the next thing I know I'm I'm watching as as dirt uh, gets moved around. And and one of the things, I've watched all these buildings go up over the years that I've worked in that area. And it's amazing how quickly they can get these things to to, to go up, they come in these big slabs. I I can't remember the name of the company, but but they will lift an entire concrete wall up and connect it in place, and, and in a couple days' time, they will have all the walls up around this whole entire thing. It'll go from a slab of concrete to a building in a matter of just a few days. Of course, then they, they work on the interior and, and things like that. And, and it's so quick, and it just amazes me how quickly they can get one of these put up. But here's the thing that, that I noticed. Uh, I was looking at that empty field, and I was like, man, that, that'd be a great place for the next warehouse to go right there. You know, it's all flat. It's all smooth. And, and sure enough, somebody bought it, and they began to, to, to uh, work it over. Uh, but what I have noticed, I've been driving past this place for weeks now. Weeks. And it seems like nothing's getting done except for there's a bunch of earth movers out there that it began to move all the earth around. I, I thought it looked nice and flat, but they've moved all this earth around. They've built it up. They've stacked it up higher and, and, and made it, uh, they've elevated the ground. And, and now they've got this thing in there that rolls it all out and compacts it. And they mix, I think, maybe some kind of lime or something else in the dirt that makes the dirt uh, solidify and hardens it up. And, and they have spent weeks and weeks out there just moving the dirt around. I'm, I'm looking at this going, there's nothing getting done here. That's my ignorance speaking. It doesn't look like, it's boring. I wanna see the walls go up. I wanna see the roof go on. I wanna see all these electricians. I wanna see sparks flying from those, uh, those welders as they're welding the beams together. You know, I wanna see things that, that, that let me know that something is being erected, something's being put up. But the thing about it is, is we can erect all kinds of things, but if it's on a groundwork that is faulty, It will just be a matter of time before everything gets off kilter. It won't be long before that building starts to settle. It won't be long before walls begin to crack and bow. It won't be long before water begins to run in through a crooked roof or a gap or a space. There will be all kinds of trouble in just a few short years. The reason for all of this prep work is because somebody with intelligence realized that everything will be wasted if the groundwork is not first established. What's the point of spending millions of dollars if it's only gonna last you a few years? It would be a fool's errand to invest in something that wasn't going to last. The experienced builder knows this, and Jesus knew this. And that's why he asked the probing question, who do you say that I am? Because we're getting ready to build something that's gonna change the world. We're getting ready to establish something that is gonna transform people's lives. We're getting ready to literally go from before Christ to after Christ. It's going to change the timetable. It's going to change the way that people view church. It's going to uh, change the way that the Holy Ghost dwells with people. It's not just going to dwell with people anymore. Now it's going to dwell inside of people. He's about to give his life for it. He wants to know if the men that he's leaving in charge are up for the task. He first asks who do men say that I am? But then he gets personal. He gets intimate. There's no crowds. There's no blinded eyes being opened. He doesn't have the disciples all out breaking bread and handing out fish to hungry people. All of that's somewhere else. Lights, camera, and action are nowhere around. It's, it's just me and you. Me and the 12. And Jesus gets intimate and he begins to probe. How committed are you to making this new life? How committed are you to seeing not just the birth, but sticking around to see the growth? This Pentecostal experience was paid for in blood. There's no doubt that Jesus was committed to The question is, are we of the same mindset? How committed are we to him? Who is he to us? There will come a time when you have to figure out the answer to that question. A time in your life where something will arise and you have to find out just what that relationship, just how deep it goes, just how committed you are. Not everybody's committed. Not everybody's here for the long haul. It's one thing to worship with the crowd. It's another thing when it's just you and him and he's asking you the probing question about how committed you are to making this new life last. Commitment at conception is where the mind is made up to be there beyond just the birth. The commitment at conception. You see, there's a lot of people that are not committed at conception. They're just there for the benefits. But as soon as the responsibility begins to fall, you know what I'm talking about. There's probably not a family in this place sitting here today that's not affected by that in one way or the other. There are folks that run from responsibility, run from commitment, and Jesus needed to know, are you committed? See, I've I've seen people come to God for all sorts of reasons. Some have walked through the door because they love the sound of the music. I heard the music playing. I came in. Next thing I know, I'm down to the altar. I got the Holy Ghost. Some people come because they've got a crisis in their life. Well, um, I, I lost my job. I was about ready to lose my house. And God was the only place I knew where where to run to. I came to the church. And, and I felt the, the Lord come in. And, and I came down. I got the Holy Ghost. And some people come for all different types of reasons. There's You could probably go throughout this congregation today and find that most of us came together God uh, from a different background. I came to God just because I was raised in the church and it, it was what I knew, and, and, and but I had to have that experience for myself, but, but it wasn't real hard for me. It wasn't some foreign thing. I was just a, a kid that wanted to be saved, that believed in the word of God and what it said and decided it's time for me to make my salvation election sure. People come to God for all sorts of different reasons there's only one reason that people leave and walk away and that is they're not committed to jesus the same way that jesus was committed to them look back at the holy ghost records that we keep i keep a list baptismal records holy ghost records and i i can go back for years been pastoring here for close to 13 years now and The pages have stacked up i think i'm on page eight or nine something like that there's there's a lot of names on there some have passed away and some have walked away it's a bittersweet thing for me because i look at these holy ghost uh certificates yeah man can you believe how far they've come i can remember when when they received the holy ghost i mean i look at uh, people like brother rick you know that's uh serving god and i remember the night he got the holy ghost right back there about where brother glenn's sitting sitting right there and I walked around and brother brother Rick if, if you know him he he's never going to he's never going to probably run the aisles if he does. I mean, I may run him with him, but he's kind of a quiet, reserved, just kind of a meek kind of man. And I thought, Lord, you know, here he is. He's he's uh, in his 50s. He's never received the Holy Ghost yet. You know, uh, God deal with him and, and I stepped over behind him and just laid my hand on his back. I could tell he was praying intently. And, and the next thing I know, his arms start to shake and, and he just starts to rise up very slowly. And the power of God came over him. He get, it began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave him the utterance. And it was one of the most powerful, moving, amen, and feelings of the Holy Ghost I've ever been a part of. And I look back and I say, He's still with us. He's still with us. He's still in the fight. He's still in the game. He's playing the bass guitar for this church. He's being a blessing. I can look and pick out young people that are not young anymore. Now, now you were young when, when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, but here you are still serving God. Look back at this. It's cool. This throwback Thursday picture that Sister Andrea puts up on, on our Facebook page of, uh, of, of these uh, different pictures. They're just fun to look back at. I said, oh, man. Uh, they, remember when they were a little kid, and now they're you know part of our youth group, and they're just a bunch of little kids, you know, getting snow cones with my wife or with a Sunday school teacher or something. And now they're 17, 18 years old, high school graduates and college kids, and, and I'm looking at how time has gone by, and it blesses me to see uh, these people that that have gotten the Holy Ghost and that are sticking with it. They're they're, they're growing in God. <coughs> There our times when I look at pictures and I look at those old records and my heart begins to break because I say they're not with us any longer it'd be one thing if they transferred from this church moved on went to another church we're still serving God I got no problem with that but what hurts is when you see people that were born, but somewhere along the way, their commitment level just left. Jesus did a lot of great miracles, but then one time he began to ask for commitment, and he turns around and he says, where's everybody at? they all go he's left there with only his 12 and he says where did everybody go and they said well what you had to say was kind of a hard thing was it true yes was it necessary yes but it was the dividing line between the casual acquaintance and the committed it was the difference between Dating for fun and getting married and raising a family. And so he looked at the 12 and he said, Are you going to leave me too? Everybody else has walked away. What are you going to do? And one of them spoke up and said, They had it. They, they got it. Where else would we go? You're the only one that has the words to eternal life. It's what we're seeking that that defines who we follow. If we're seeking the things of this world, if we're seeking to build something here materially, the Bible already tells us, you can build it, but it's not gonna last. You can erect the structure level the ground but one of these days it's all going to be gone but there's a home that's being prepared for me that's never going to fade there's a life that's being built that I don't ever want it to begin to deteriorate or crumble or fall jesus is asking some today who am i to you and in doing so he's really saying are you going to be there when the going gets rough will you still be there when i'm not performing miracles are you just here for the loaves and the fishes are you gonna listen to me when i'm telling you the hard things See, the disciples didn't go out and build megachurches, not in their lifetime, so to speak, but if you look at the things that, that have taken place across this world, that all were started right there. Most of them died for the cause. They gave their life up. They never became wealthy, they became hated. they were looking to a city whose builder and maker was God. They were looking to build something to last. I have this dream. Not a literal dream, just a desire is maybe a better word. I'll tell you what it is. I don't desire this to happen tomorrow or next year or next next week. This is a future desire for me. Sometimes I think about being an old man. Don't you say it, you young people. Don't you tell me when you become. You're an old man. No, I'm not old yet. I'm talking about 30 years from now. I had this dream that I think about sometimes of being this old man that has given his life for the Lord, that has preached hundreds of sermons and helped hundreds of people to know who Jesus Christ is, who's helped people establish, who's taken the time, enough time, in order to build something of a foundation to where people can build their life for God on. Not just to let's all get together and hoop and holler for a little while and go live our own lives and do our own thing, but somebody that's, that's willing to sit down and tell you what it really needs, what really needs to take place in your life in order for you to be a successful Christian. In this dream, I dream of having my children, my grandchildren, my future grandchildren, and hopefully great-grandchildren that are gathered around me. And it's towards the end of my life. I see all these little apostolic Pentecostals, little boys and girls, and in my mind now, they're they're little, but, you know, 30 years from now, think about it, better to be... 31 years old easton will be 35 i mean they'll have families and children of their own all gathered around grandpa and i'll it is my prayer that they tell stories about me i can remember you know he looks old and feeble now and he's at the end of his life but i can remember he couldn't maybe sing the greatest, but, but man, when he'd sing, he'd start shouting. I can remember your grandpa. He'd shout till he sweated through his shirt. He'd go home soak, soaking wet. He'd go home just be exhausted and worn. I, I want them to gather around and tell stories like that about the man who was faithful to God, who built something and never gave up no matter how tough it could. That doesn't just have to be my story. That can be your story too. It doesn't matter where you start nearly as much as it matters how you finish. When they carry me away and they lay me in the ground, I want them to know that the race I began as a 17-year-old young man lasted until the day that God called me home. because the race isn't about being the fastest runner. the race is about the one that is able to endure till the end. You can come down to an altar and you can give your heart to God and you can you can pray until you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. you can do all the things according to Acts chapter 2:38, but unless you're committed, Unless you're committed, you won't last. Because there's going to be things that test your commitment.